The Pokes Report podcast is sponsored by Stillwater Barber Company, located at 609 South Main Street, right here in Stillwater. Randall and Joe are serving up the best haircuts in town, which includes regular haircuts and skin and razor fades, as well as shaves and beard care and trims. The beard care includes a wonderful blend of beard balm, beard oil, and just a little bit of steam to bring it all together. And as always, shampoo and conditioners are two for $20, and I can vouch for the shampoo because that's what I've been using for the past several months. It's a wonderful tea tree oil shampoo paraben and sulfate free that leaves your hair and scalp squeaky clean and smelling great and as always you can find blue roaming around the shop so give them a call at 405-269-8590 or you can check them out at stillwaterbarber.co to book an appointment today Welcome into the Pokes Report Podcast. Zach Lancaster here alongside Brian Murphy. We're a couple days out from homecoming. Brian, what's your before we get going here, what's your what's your favorite homecoming memory? You have one? Yes. So whenever the Grand Marshals were Garth, Barry, and Robin Ventura, mm. that was one heck of a cool uh game that the halftime show, the band played Garth while he was on the field. Um that was that was probably one of the coolest things I've ever seen from a homecoming. Uh, walk I remember, walk I around is I always setting great. up in the booth thinking that they were going to bring a guitar out for Garth oh, and, a, and a mic. He should have just walked over to somebody. You know, he can play more yeah. than just guitar. Yeah, I mean, he could have joined in the drum line. You know, he's <laughs> he's talented. That's what we were all we were all up at the booth. Like he's gonna they're they're gonna bring it. They have to bring him a mic. Yeah, they can't not bring him a mic. Yep. And they were just like, well, five minutes has gone by. I guess they're not. Uh, there's only them seven up. minutes in home halftime left. Oh, okay, great, 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 great. No, that was, so that was really cool. Um, oh, who was there? Was somebody a couple years ago that that was really neat. One, one grand. You know, they always do the grand marshal. Mm-hmm. The grand marshal that they have they have not had yet. That I think is is kind of Oklahoma State's. <laughs> not going to say forgotten son, but one person that I think they should really utilize. Is Stormy Warren out in uh, out in Nashville? See, I he was has going the, a different direction. Well, we'll get to your different direction <laughs> here in a minute. Let me finish this. He's he's got the Sirius XM, uh, the yeah, morning show, the good. Stormy Warren show on uh, Sirius XM. He's kind of the he's the MC of country. Okay, any of these country festivals around the around the nation, he's always at them. He's on stage, um, introducing the next act, getting the crowd going, and comes. Was he a part of the PA contest for the Tennessee Titans? Did I think he, he was, yeah. I think yeah. he he did he did go for that. He was like he went pretty far too, didn't he? He did. Him and, and Gallagher both, I think. And you know what? We'll have to ask him about that. Yeah. The week of uh, the week of Iowa State, he's going to yeah. be on with us. Absolutely. So uh, no, that'll be good. But that that's one that I wish would be the Grand Marshal. Who who's on? Well, I who's thought, top on your list. <laughs> he's not top on my list. Okay, who's you, on your list? I, I thought when you were like, so they're kind of an overlooked, kind of a forgotten son. I was like, oh, Gary Busey. Um, <laughs> no, he doesn't. That's the last person that Oklahoma State needs to have. Um, James Marsden Take would be a, a really second. good one. Take a second and just imagine that. And <laughs> <laughs> what is it? Uh, Amazon Fire TV. Was that a commercial? Was that oh, Amazon Fire Stick? I think yeah. That'd be um, wild. James Marsden would be a good one, and he might have done it before. I don't know. Um, you know, you you would know James. Marsden. Do you know who? Do we know who the Grand Marshal is this year? I'm sure someone does. I don't think they've. I don't know if they've announced it. Oh, okay. But I'm sure that it seems like that'd be a good time to announce it. Surprise! You know what? I don't think I'd be surprised with with what's gone on the past year. 
I don't think I'd be surprised if it were uh, Dr. Shrum. That'd be or the first cowboy, Darren. Well, Shrum. I mean, like, it would be too. like both of yeah, them. Yeah, yeah. But, like, I think that if, if it were me, when you look at the popularity that she has, when you look at how everyone gravitates toward her, towards her, she's a really great person. She's obviously done some really good things in her first year here. Absolutely. That's I don't think I'd be surprised, you know what? This is kind of the the end of the end of the publicity tour, you know. We're Right. You know, she's on the Pokes Report podcast and now she's the Grand Marshal and then the publicity tour is over. Yeah. Uh so do you guys do walk around? No. Don't do walk around. Live in Stillwater, don't do walk around. There's that's a lot of people. I know your thing is not to be out there. That was like, and that was before COVID that many <laughs> so um we got into a we we got into a good habit so andrea my wife used to work um she used to work late in cushing she worked at a nursing home in cushing and she wouldn't get off until 11 and then she'd get home about 11 30 11 45 and then we would go to campus and drive around because friday night uh i don't know when they turn it off but they leave the house decks on and operating and the lights going for quite a while and then you can just drive up and down the street um but we by the way there you go the shrums are named grand marshals there you go of osu homecoming look at me i'm a i'm a wizard um yeah i don't know i mean we like to go and look you know so we'll go we'll go like early friday maybe you know just to go see what they are but you could you could drive around on thursday you know you could you could go drive around thursday you could drive around friday morning and you can look at everything but a hundred thousand people—that's kind of—that's kind of not in my the, in the small streets of Stillwater, the shoulder to shoulder, and yeah. and people. I understand it, but they bring—you know—they've got strollers, and they don't really. And I'm not saying they need to get out of the way, but like you'll get people that like band together with a bunch of strollers, and they don't stroller parade. Yeah, they don't have the—they don't have like the surrounding. Like they don't pay attention to other people. You get the people that bring their dogs, you know, which is just the worst. Like. They tell you not to bring your. I like dogs. Dogs don't need to be around a hundred thousand people. The Pokes Report podcast is dog friendly. It is dog friendly. However, just, just not at walk around. We don't have a hundred thousand people here. No, or or the people that allow their two year old to. And and I get like my sister has a two year old and he doesn't really like to be carried sometimes. But when you've got like a hundred thousand people walking around, your two year old probably doesn't need to be walking free. So it's just the it's the leisurely strollers and the like. I don't. I can't deal with the people. Like, the crowds, and yeah, it's not for me. You know who walked way too freely this last weekend? Yeah. Quinn Johnson. That kid, So, <laughs> I'll just say this. Dude's like DeAndre Hopkins, man. I'll just say this. There were moments where Jabbar Muhammad struggled. You know, there were moments where Johnson got free, uh, where, you know, miss, there were a lot of missed tackles. I know you were texting me throughout the Gundy presser. But for the most part, Jabbar Muhammad... He did pretty good. He did a lot better than I expected him to do against Johnston. He did when he was when he was in the right spot. When our whole defense, right. when our secondary was in the right spot, amazing how a defensive plan works when you're actually in the right spot. Um, you know the the plays that stick out are the 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 kind of deep fade to the corner that Jabbar was right there on him. Uh, made one heck of a play, and it's it's pretty sad in college football now that you see one heck of a competitive play like that, and you still hold your breath, going, "Are they going to throw a stupid pi flag?" There were a few times, and, there were a few breakups where I'm like, 
Yeah. Well, that was so good. Third, well, that was a third down stop. And, you're waiting. You're yeah, waiting, you're right. Waiting. And and even the defensive back turns around before he does the finger wag, and Jamar Muhammad looked around, looked around, looked around, and then did the finger wag. You know, What's crazy to me, and this has been going on all season long, there haven't been two. Now, there were, there were, there's been a few, yeah. but the refs are real, at least in the Big 12, at least in Oklahoma State games, the refs are really allowing the receivers, the defensive backs to just play. Well, and thankfully that goes all the way back to Bedlam last year, Corey Black in the end zone. Still the greatest pass interference we've ever gotten away with. Yeah. And I uh, appreciate him for overlooking that because that would have given them the ball, mm-hmm. first down and all that. But, um, you know, TCU, they, they stuck with their game plan. I know that Gundy says, well, they made, and I'm sure they did make some adjustments, but you could tell that TCU came in with a game plan. Their players, and, and Sonny Dyke said it at halftime, uh, I remember – uh, Texas, like 2005, I don't know what it was, 2004, we were there, and uh, Vince Young was their quarterback, and we were up like 35 nothing, 35-7, and they came back and won. And and Mac Brown went into the locker room and told him, we can't play any worse, they can't play any better, let's just go back out there, play our game, and we'll come back and win, and they did. And Sonny Dykes told the TV reporter at halftime, we can't play worse than that, mm-hmm. you know, and and I think that there were things that OSU was doing that was assisting them in creating them to struggle to, you know, they were we were closing in. Gundy said their defensive game plan the whole time was to not give them anything over the top, yeah. was to make them make drives, and, it's, and essentially what you're wanting the offense to do is screw up on their own. They're wanting to... Um, you're wanting them to make unforced errors, and our defensive line has a way of putting that type of pressure on a quarterback to do that. So if you look at the first half, uh, the one see they had eight drives. They had eight drives in the first half, TCU did. They had their first drive was three for four. They had five for 30, seven to 75. That was a touchdown. They had three of 15. They had 10 for 71, which was a turnover on downs. Mm-hmm. And then you had great play by Thomas Harper. I think it was Thomas Harper and Jabbar Muhammad. Yeah. Great play by them. Um, and then the last two was four for one, which was a field goal, which is crazy, four, four Isn't plays. really? Uh, and then an eight for 44, which was a field goal. Uh, punt, punt, touchdown, punt, turnover on downs, um, field goal, field goal. And our offense was capitalizing on them giving the ball to us. Yeah. Every time. You know, you go up 24-7, and, man, we're sitting there in the stands that went to the game. Uh, we're going to kind of get to – I think we wanted to break this down as good, great – or great, good, bad, ugly, right? So, let's uh, – oh, my great was that atmosphere. Mm-hmm. It was a really – I mean, I've heard TCU fans kind of laid back. They're a little bit more uppity than some of your other Big 12 schools. The stadium holds 46,000. I don't know what it looked like on TV, but being there, our section had a few open seats around us but not many. The student section was overpacked, and they were underneath us. Um, if you were watching on the TV, the student section was right behind the OSU sideline, mm-hmm. which is a very interesting place to put a student section. It's a, a genius place. It is. It really is. Now, the ungenious part about it was there were a few things thrown on the field, as you're going to get with college students mm-hmm. and things in their hands. Um one of the least intimidating things is to be standing in a in a water line and somebody comes up to you and does the little frog thing and says go frogs you know and this guy <laughs> this guy actually told me he was he was a little drunk uh, a little bit and um, 
he came up to me and goes, I hope you get bucked off your saddle. And the guy that was behind him goes, that was the stupidest thing you've ever said. <laughs> but anyway, so I was, you know, I was very intimidated. Yeah, of course I would be too. But, uh, you know, the atmosphere was really good. They did a, the, the flyover was sweet. They have, uh, it was, I don't know, four fighter jets over the top. Like I know what. Yeah. They didn't have it on TV. So. Oh, okay. Yeah. No, it was the four fighter jets. Uh, I wasn't there, there was a, uh, there's a air force base. that's just on the West side of Fort Worth. Yeah. So I assume that they are, um, routinely flown over, but, um, it was, it was really cool. They were, they were low. It was loud at every single time tears me up like i don't know whether you know it's that pride in the usa kind of thing uh the powerful of the engines but mm-hmm. man it was cool yeah, um, it's the, i think it's the joint base there outside yeah, uh-huh. that's the so um you're talking about flyovers it, real quick here uh the last time that uh i went to a race with my grandfather he was a he was in the air force for 30 some odd years and a flight instructor and flew flew big jets and it, it's incredible that was his whole life um he was struggling to walk. He, uh, he, Agent Orange, you know, back in Vietnam. Oh, right. And, um, emphysema and all that stuff. And so uh, he was on oxygen, and he had his walker. Um, but he was still getting around. He was still doing well, but he could only go for a little bit. And so we go down into the pits, and we get our picture taken. I think it was Tony Stewart's last year, and I was one of his favorite drivers. And uh, my dad and brother wanted to do driver introductions. Well, he can't. St- we, so we go back up to the concourse, and we're sitting, and he gets us. He gets his Dove ice cream bars, uh, and we're eating it. And he like kind of turns over and like rubs it all over his face, and like he's like oh, chocolate on my face. And then he made me get up and go get him napkins. Yeah. And then we're we're doing the walk or that we're doing the the national anthem, and we know it's NASCAR, so they're going to do a flyover. Sure. Well, I've got one arm. My dad has the other, and we're holding him up, and um can't see the jets we're getting towards the end and typically you can see them coming far yeah. off uh-huh. this week was a sneak attack where they come up behind mm. the uh, the grandstands i about this had motor speed texas motor yes. speedway yeah i about had to get a new pair of britches i'm not it, because as soon as they got over the grandstand yep. they hit the afterburners and almost went straight up and it was the loudest thing i've ever yes. heard in my life so cool um and my grandfather like shook us off and like punched the sky and then held it there for like 30 seconds oh, and it was goodness. the coolest thing i still get chills oh I mean, yeah it was man. incredible it was awesome uh, that's so, so cool yeah so flyovers mean a lot yeah so, yeah no they they do and i love it whenever uh when osu does them it seems like about once a year mm-hmm. uh, usually military appreciation they may do one for homecoming but i would imagine probably I homecoming. Iowa, i think iowa state's supposed to be military you know with the proximity of one, two, three, four military bases, mm-hmm. four air bases in the state of Oklahoma. There should be a flyover I every week. With you, like, did you see the Super Guppy land in Tinker yesterday? Yeah. And there was a B fifty two there. You've got Altus. They got the uh, the C seventeen. You got a fighter, you know, fighter squadron in Tulsa. You got Enid. I mean, yeah. I couldn't what? imagine what all goes into a lot planning that. <laughs> a lot. Well, it goes into planning that because you have to take off at a certain time. You know, to the second. Yeah. You got to go this certain route, and, and yeah, I know that's what they do. Airports all over the place. You can't just yeah. commandeer the airspace for a flyover. <laughs> right. So it's it's a lot go. It a lot goes into it. Yeah, you got you got to cleared with Stillwater World International. You better believe it. You know, you better believe so. it. There's more flights coming in. Yeah. We're a hub. That's right. We're taking over Oklahoma City. So let's see the great. Yes. The great. I also thought was first quarter. Spencer, Spencer Sanders. Spencer Sanders in the first. Absolutely. Absolutely. My gosh. Everybody. You know the the. Oh, is Spencer going to play? Is is his shoulder okay? And everything. What do you do? First play. First play. Yeah. 
boom, bomb. And it was incomplete, but a bomb to uh to Johnson that to um yeah. Braden Johnson. Braden Johnson. So you, I was thinking Quentin. So this nope. is his first this is his first drive. Uh no huddle shotgun incomplete to Braden Johnson. Uh no huddle shotgun pass complete to Bra- uh Brandon Presley, eight yards. Uh no uh, no huddle shotgun pass or rush to um Dominic Richardson seven yards up, and then the thirty eight yard to Braden Cassidy, and then he runs it in for twenty nine. The two things that's important about that is I receive messages Friday night, Saturday morning. Spencer roll his ankle. Spencer roll his ankle. Okay, well, you just I just have to be a Poke Report subscriber, and I'm not trying to push things, but we had a video of him getting off the bus at the airport. He's not limping. He's not wearing a boot, and more, most importantly, his shoulder's not in a sling. Mm-hmm. His arm's not in a sling. So not only did they dispel, and not that Oklahoma State has to dispel rumors, but not only did they dispel the fact that he didn't roll his ankle and that his shoulder wasn't hurt, but my thought, here's my thing on this, and and he he was very defiant after the game. I don't know if you listened to his post game, but Spencer, like he bypassed all, like he bypassed Robert, so Robert wasn't able to get him for post game, and he bypassed the media room. Like they had to track him down and get him off the bus, or he was close to getting on the bus and bring him back to hit for him to do media. And he was asked about his shoulder, and he's like, "I'm fine, it's fine." And Mike said he was fine. Well, he's a he's a tough mother. That was one of the yeah. best. But what's interesting, and I'm not, and I'm not gonna say, I'm not sitting here saying that he is injured at all. Oh, I I will say he's banged up. Absolutely, he is banged up. Because if you look but at the second point to half, somebody who isn't, that's true. When you look at the second half, I mean, he was able to throw the ball right, and he was he was doing well in the first half. He was running the ball, and I understand that Oklahoma State could not run the ball in the in the second half. You know, you look at let's see comparisons here. You look at you look at the second half, the third quarter. They had thirty four yards on the ground, one hundred and eighteen total, thirty four on the ground. That's not good. And then you look at the fourth quarter, they had 23 on the ground, and they had 32 overall. They couldn't run the ball. That was very evident. And I know that the offensive line really struggled, and we're giving Spencer a lot of time. But the completion to Braden Johnson in overtime, before leading up to that completion, he was 1-9. Yeah. And then you go to the second overtime, he was missing passes that he hasn't missed since he was a freshman. So I think that the, I'm not going to say – not in his body. I'm not going to say the shoulder wasn't stinging him. Right. But you could tell he wasn't stepping into throws. He wasn't seeing the field the way he has in yeah. the past. And we talked about this uh, a little bit last week in that the defensive coordinator was the old Tulsa defensive yeah. coordinator. 3-3-5. Three, three, when those three linebackers, as soon as they see run, they crash down. Now you have six down there. If they see pass... They're back. That's eight guys, and you have maybe four in a route. Yeah, that's that's double teaming everybody to an extent. And I got to give was, TCU a lot of credit. Yeah, because they did a great. I'm not. I'm not going to sit here and say that. Well, OSU couldn't run the ball, and Spencer was missing passes. Receivers were covered, right? And and they couldn't. The offensive line was in the backfield before you know before Spencer even got the ball. I mean, it. They they struggled across the board, and TCU played really well, but. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you. I mean, I'm not saying like physically, but there was something going on. Like he just, you could tell he was his, not comfortable. His, his eyes were not trusting what he was seeing. No, first off, all. and and if you know, when everybody wants to jump on the on the oh Casey Dunn can't figure this out bandwagon, okay, and I know you're shaking your head, and I'm 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 with you to an extent. There are you know, and and Gundy says, well, we can't fix. We're not going to change what we're what we're doing. Mm-hmm. You know, running wise. If if people remember the old NCAA football game. Okay, 
you can't after TCU game before Texas game switch to the Mike Leach Texas Tech playbook and just play the next week. That's not how it works. Mm-hmm. You have to the quarterback has to get timing on these routes. The receivers have to get timing on these routes. If you change up how your offensive line sets up, block you have to get timing. You have to everybody has to know what everybody else is doing. You can't just draw things up in the sand and go, "Hey, here's how we're going to do it now." Yeah, I should have I I have the audio, but I wasn't able to pull it up. Um, and Mike was I think I think it was Robert asked about it. You know, do you, you know, do you change it? And Mike said, "I don't believe in that. I don't think you can trick trick a team. I don't think you can change what you do on Tuesday and Wednesday and go out and play well and say this is going to work. That's just me. I don't think the players are capable of absorbing and understanding concept, concepts and schemes with the multiple defenses that we see nowadays. Years and years ago, maybe, but I mean, I use the term with my staff. You know, if we have a guy go down, we've got to replace that guy. And then he obviously talks about travel baseball uh-huh. and, and all that stuff. And you can go through like you know, there. Robert put up an article on Poke Sport. I know you saw it. Um, and he, he says same thing. I agree. You can't invent the wheel uh, or your run package on an offense in a week, but you can add a counter, maybe lead some base zone. You know, there's there's things that can be done. And I'm curious to see what Preston Wilson, if he is back in the lineup, yeah. you know. But my thing about Preston Wilson, and we talked about it, Preston can't block with tackles. He can he could double team with a guard, but he can't double team with both guards. So like Preston Wilson being out didn't help. But it's not the main fact. Like Jason Brooks really struggled. Caleb Etienne, like they were all struggling across the board, and that's to me is the biggest issue because I think Texas is gonna is gonna you have all the tape you need to know how to confuse this offense. And I'm glad you brought up the double team. I went back in and watched specifically our line versus TCU's line because we averaged what what we average per rush. In the game, um, I can tell you it was like three. I think three and something. Three point four, and they were. TCU was I just click game. That'll tell me. Uh, five point two. Five point two. The difference is when we would double team. Okay, TCU was always in a three, almost always in a three down lineman mm-hmm. set. Almost always. Occasionally they'd bring a guy down. Very rarely, when they were in that three down set, we would double-team those three guys. So you've got a Braden Cassidy that's in there as well. With the six guys, we're double-teaming three, but not pushing them anywhere. We were essentially being three guys were taking up six of ours. So now let's take the quarterback out of it. Mathematically, we're down to four versus eight. Mm -hmm. And those eight all see the ball, and we we aren't tricking people to Gundy's uh, quote, we're not tricking people in eye candy. I mean, uh, to an extent, yes. I mean, we ran the fake plays. We ran, you know, showed some things early. But by and large, once you've run your trick play, that's it. You're not going to go back to it. You're not. Very rarely do we run two flea flickers in one game. Very rarely Maybe. do they run one. Right. Well, well, we two. have. I think the last three games. But that's what I'm saying. Like yeah, it, this and, is not what what they're doing this year. And I got to give Casey Dunn a lot of credit because they he is you can tell he's more comfortable in his play calling than he has been in the past. It's hard to call. I will give I'll give Casey Dunn the benefit of the doubt this past week. It is hard to call plays when your offense cannot move. And I know that there's things that you can do, and I know there's certain things that you can do to cover stuff up. But if your offensive line can't block, it, you're you're severely limited. Right. And period. And. What Dominic when Dominic Richardson would get the ball, he looks up and sees a wall of his own back, a, a wall of his own jerseys. 
coming well, towards him. Well, some uh, you know, or even if they're just holding the offensive line, if they're just holding on the line of scrimmage, um, there's not open holes. He has to either slither through one. There's not massive holes. What TCU was getting were one-on-one blocks, and they were letting our defensive ends get upfield, and they were just following them with one tackle. They were saying, all right, if you want to take yourself out of the play on a run, have at it because we're going this way. And what that left with, so we have four down. What they were doing was spreading out four, four wide receivers and a, uh, and a running back and a quarterback. So they were blocking our, our guys one-on-one, and then whoever the, the off-guard was, the one who didn't have somebody to block, this is going to be a, a wild concept. He was going to the next level to block a linebacker. That was something we were not doing for a majority. There were some times, and occasionally, you know, like the ver- I think it was Dom's, I think, first run, he almost broke it, and if he gets past a, a, an arm tackle, a guy that trips him up, He's gone to the races. Yeah. So there's it, it feels like we are very um banger bust right now. And there's not the 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 run blocking scheme that Kendall Hunter got to enjoy, that a Joseph Randall got to enjoy, which was spread out a little bit and our our lineman that doesn't have somebody immediately to block was going to the next level and the the receivers were going to the safeties and blocking them. Now I've got three or four holes to bounce through, and Dom's not getting those type of holes. No, and and he, the thing about Dom is, you know, you, you see a lot of people asking, well, why aren't we why aren't we running Ollie Gordon? Why aren't we running Jaden Nixon? You know, because, you know, Jaden is a very shifty back. You know, Dom is, is going to bully you over. Dom's not going to look for the hole and try to bounce around and try to take it outside. He's going to say, well, I'm just going to lower my shoulder. I'm going to lower my head. And traditionally, I've been able to knock some people over. If it happens, it happens. If not, I'm going to get two to three yards. You know, we're just going to we're going to move on about our day. Jaden is that kind of back, but he wasn't. You know, he only had three carries, but it wasn't necessarily having a lot of success. You know, so and if you look at the offensive line, in hindsight, you can always sit there and say, well, how come you did, or you know, well, how come you couldn't do this? How come you've been able to do this against Baylor and you weren't able to do it against TCU? Well, why aren't you why aren't you running Braden uh Jaden Nixon? Why aren't you running Jaden? Why aren't you running Ollie Gordon? Well, these coaches know what they're doing. You because you go back you go back to last week, or you go back to Baylor game, you go back to last week or last year, and I know that the defense is a little bit better. But when Oklahoma State's having success, there's no issues. But as soon as Oklahoma State starts to struggle, as soon as the offensive line starts to struggle, it's like, well, these coaches, they don't know what they're doing. And I'm not saying that they did a, a like an amazing job on Saturday, but you, you can't have it both ways. I mean, it, 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 they're either good coaches or they're bad coaches. You, they're not – you can't have it both ways. So where did I read – and I'm trying to go back and find it. Um, this is – now, I have not independently verified this, but someone tweeted um, Philip, which is at OK – TX AR yeah, yeah yeah he's down he must be down there in the uh in the Broken Bow area down there in the uh I think he's, Oklahoma Texas he Arkansas used to do, uh I think Cowboys ride for free Oh okay I think I think that's He said that he tweeted after doing some digging the only other occurrence I can find of Oklahoma State losing a game when they had a two score fourth quarter lead so more than more than 8 points during the Mike Gundy era was 2006 so 
All of this freakout is over the second time this has happened in almost 20 six, years. 16 years. Yeah. Now, the, I think it's funny that, you know, Mike Gundy's, I, I assume his coaching idol is Bill Snyder because this is kind of the way he goes. It was against uh, Kansas State. Yeah, so, let, let him you win. Know. So, uh, Oklahoma State was up 27-17 and lost 31-27. I don't remember being at that game, but I'm sure I was just as frustrated sure. after that game uh, as we are this one because you never, with uh, with Gundy's style of, I say conservative, being conservative in that fourth quarter, it does, and, and I think this is not rocket science, you do have to get first downs in order for this to work. Yeah, You know, you can only run off about two minutes if you – kneel the ball three times. You know, what is that, 40? Yeah, two minutes. Um, if you look at OSU, this is bad. When you look at OSU's, let's see, one, two, three, four, five, last, well, last four drives. I can't, I can't say five because that was going into, that was going into overtime. If you look at OSU's last one, two, three, four drives, uh, minute 54, punt. Three plays, four yards. Uh, you had the INT, uh, but that was that one. That one was a little bit longer, but not not by much. You had three plays for minus one yard for one minute, and then you had three plays for four yards for fifty eight seconds. And when you look at the first drive, that was a punt, one fifty four. It started at eleven twenty eight. They got the ball back after an interception with nine twenty two, or that's when that that's when that drive started. Mm-hmm. They didn't get the ball back for their next drive till 5:17 and then their last drive with 58 seconds or with uh right before the half was fit they got it back with 59 seconds left. And if you look at that, TCU scored a touchdown. Um they had a one they started with 157 left and that's when they scored a touchdown in the fourth quarter. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's that was definitely the bad, uh, the, yeah, and the fourth and you, quarter. And you could, no, the fourth quarter was the ugly. The ugly. Yeah, I was going to see. I, I was going to put. For, I was going to put fourth quarter tackling in overtime tackling. We had, had yeah. so many broken tackles. Well, you can tack onto all of it. I mean, to me, when you look at this Oklahoma State offense, are are they the mo- are they in a, the most explosive offense in the country? No, nope. and they haven't been for a while. But that's because they've been able to rely on a pretty good defense. When you look at that, we've talked about it. When you look at that fourth quarter, when you look at when you look at the comparisons between TCU and Oklahoma State in the fourth quarter, TCU had 145 yards and 14 points. They had 38 of it on the ground. They had more rushing yards than Oklahoma State had total yards. OSU didn't score in the fourth quarter. And when that, was the last time OSU hadn't scored in the fourth quarter? Right, and so Even if it was just a field goal. Before you know, we are now getting outscored on the season by our opponents in the fourth quarter. And yeah, when's the last time you've heard of that? Yeah. So. And that was what uh, my last kind of – the last thing I wanted to, to get on the TCU game was I felt as soon as we scored in overtime, first overtime, we're down by one, as soon as we scored, I'm in the stands holding up two. You, sure. uh, your defense is toast. During the during the broadcast, the uh, I think it was Molly McGrath was the sideline reporter. She had the – the old the old temperature gun out, uh-huh. and it's funny that uh, that the Oklahoma State sidelines um, their benches weren't those cooling benches like the TCU sideline has. That's really weird, and I'm sure it was a pure malfunction that happened in that one game. But the the entire game, OSU was in the sun. It was she said 97, 96, 96. It's about a twenty to thirty degree difference. Ninety six or seven degrees 
on their sideline, and t- TCU was standing in a cool 73. Mm-hmm. You're, we were worn out in the stands, and I didn't have to do anything. We were worn out just standing there. The guys who were on the field and then have to come out, and there is no cool zone. You know, I mean, yeah, you can probably get in one of in front of one of those fans or whatever, but it's it's just blowing hot air, like standing in front of the oven. And so there was no reprieve for for the defense, even substituting in and out. And and I think you saw that in in Trace Ford. He did not have the best game he's ever had. It was an inopportune, the most inopportune face mask that I can remember an Oklahoma State defense having in a long time. Yeah. Um, you know, you would have stopped them on third down behind the 50, gives them a first down, and and we ended up stopping them, you know, but that was a huge momentum shift uh, because it gave them life. Student section's back in it, you know, and all that, but you've got to go for t- – I mean, I, th- I thought as soon as it happened, like kind of the – I thought kind of the the going phrase there was when you're on the road – and you have a chance to go for two to win the game, you do it. My thought, my my thoughts on that, and not that I had, like my question, I guess, more likely. I want to know what was going through their head. You know, the coach, not not like, what in the world were they doing? Yeah, no, no, no. But when what you, was the actual discussion? Yeah, yeah, because when you look at the fourth quarter, you can't, they couldn't run the ball at all. I mean, they, no. they couldn't do anything. And so, and if they don't complete that pass, they weren't doing anything. Right. You know, they struggled, struggled. And so, is it, well, we just need points. Because if we go for two and we miss it and they score a touchdown, it's over anyway. No, 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 no. We had the ball second. So, if we scored. Oh, yeah, that's if right. If we went for two no, and no, scored right, it, right, yeah, right. we win. We go but, home. But the, but, so, but the other side of it is if you, if you go for it and you don't get it, I mean, I, I understand. Like, it's my, in, in overtime, not being able to move the ball in the fourth quarter in overtime, Mike's in a lose-lose situation. Yeah. Because you either – you either kick the point and you get the field goal, which gives you 66 straight makes on extra points for Tanner Brown. Co-special teams player of the week. Grossly underrated, mind you. When you So you either you either score the touchdown, kick the extra point, get the points, get hated upon because you're playing too conservative, or you go for it and you miss it, and then it's called the wrong play. Well, what, what are we doing? Why yeah. can't y'all scheme to get into the end zone? And, so and that, I, under, I, I understand, and it. I think that that is 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 explained easily in a post game. And you say my defense was worn slick. Derek Mason's in my headphones, going, "Go for two. We've got nothing else." Mm-hmm. Um, now I I will give it to Tyler Lacey on the goal line of TCU's ex- second overtime. He stops them once or twice, twice on the goal line and then even the even the touchdown that they score he hit the running back in the backfield he was getting blocked was getting hit, yeah so it wasn't he only had one arm and Tyler had a good game he did he and, was good. and so he kept at it i mean that dude that dude has made some money this year oh man coming back but, uh, uh, i'm trying to remember who it was um who do we who do we have yesterday colin oliver yeah someone asked colin about that I'll have to. I, I can't. I don't think I was there. I think we were. I think we were talking to someone else. Um, but as we were walking away, I heard someone ask Tyler, you know, or uh, ask Colin Oliver about Tyler coming back and how big of an impact it is that that he's coming back. And and you could kind of hear Colin like, oh, it's obviously. It's all you have to do is look at his stats, right? I mean, right. Tyler has been spectacular. I think the Senior Bowl was in Stillwater uh, this past weekend. 
or two weekends ago for the Texas Tech game, there's no way that Tyler isn't high upon someone's. I'm not saying he's going to sure. be a first rounder, yeah. but when you when you look at the improvements that he's made just over the last three years, and look at how solid he was last year, I think the biggest thing for him this year is the fact they they bulked him up, they moved him inside, and he's making a bigger impact than he did last year. Now, the numbers may not be there, but if you look at the plays he has, he's been insane. He has 23 tackles on the year. Eight and a half of those are behind the line yeah. of scrimmage. And, uh, and, if and just all you, have sacks, to do, yeah. all you have to do is look at what he did Saturday. How many did he hit in the backfield that were able to get away because he was getting blocked? Yeah, yeah, quite a few. Yeah, and then that, and I'm not saying that that he is a part of this conversation, and we've we've gone over on our TCU talk. But if you look at the missed tackles on Saturday, I mean, Tyler hits someone in the backfield, and people aren't able to wrap up, and they, you know, they they either turn a two to three yard gain into seven, eight, nine plus, and that was consistently throughout the second quarter or second half. So just like. Texas Tech's head coach got to watch his former school play against us. Texas has Gary Patterson on staff and gets to watch, got to watch his former school Braden Cassidy against us. mentioned that. He he mentioned the fact cuz Robert asked about the defense and how good they are and and Braden was like, "Yeah, and they've got Gary Patterson, you know, Gary Patterson like so that's that's a big thing." And and that's something that Mike talked about on Monday, so you know that he's talking to his offense about because TCU, they've kind of they've struggled as of late under under Gary Patterson. They weren't you know the way they were back in was that twenty seventeen when they came into Stillwater and beat Oklahoma State. They were good. You know you get the year that them and Baylor were whether you want to say snubbed out of the playoffs or not, but whether TCU was good or bad, that defense was always pretty staunch. And and so when you watch this Texas team. He's not the defensive coordinator, but that defense has Gary Patterson. But the coordinator is listening to him a lot. Oh my gosh! Absolutely. Yeah. No, it's going to be. It will be a a good, another good test for the defense. Yes. Um, It's going to be another good test for whoever is healthy on offense, (laughs) because um, the the Texas defense will put pressure on you. Uh, Gundy said it. I mean, they they keep recruiting the big players. They haven't had the success. Because I think in the in the past they have been very undisciplined. You could scheme around them. Um, in Sarkeesian's second year, you know, are they starting to figure that out? Some, I mean, just coming off forty nine nothing against uh, a half of an OU team, and then they beat they barely beat Iowa State at home. That was surprising. They were they were losing. Iowa State got hosed. See, okay, I didn't go on because I didn't get to watch any of this. Uh, have you have you not seen the play? So um, Decker's. Uh, there's, I think, less than two. I don't know how much time's left, but it's like less than two minutes. He's coming around the end, and he's he's going down like he's you know he's low to the ground. Not, you know, he's not specifically trying to be. Low, like he's getting tackled, and I can't remember who it is, but a Texas defender like launches himself and just spears Deckers. Like it's they say shoulder to shoulder, but I mean it was it was shoulder up, spears him. Ball pops out, Texas recovers, and they review the fumble, not, not the targeting, and oh, right. and uh, the head coach Matt Campbell is beside him. Sure. I mean, it was, it, it was a, it was if that if the game is played in Ames, 
that call, it, it, the review probably happens. I'm not saying that that was a home cooking call because the, it comes from the Big 12, and the Big 12 is the one that needs to decide whether or not that's targeting. But at the very, at the very least, it should have been an unnecessary, like an unnecessary roughness or a defenseless player like Spear. I mean, it was, it was a bad hit. Speaking of people being beside themselves, do you agree or disagree that in that college football head coaches can act like Sonny Dykes did on the sideline in the first quarter with all the refs around screaming and hooting and hollering, getting in their faces and, you know, spits flying all over a, a referee's face? And it's in basketball, tech one, tech two, see ya. Do you think there should be a a unsportsmanlike conduct that can get called on the head coach if he's acting acting a fool? They have it. They just shouldn't. They didn't do they it. Should have done it. It was. And I'm not saying that he was. He was wrong. I mean, he had every. He had been every that right rule to for be, years. Yeah, but he had every yeah. right to be upset because you know it's it's one of those. Like you got to be kidding me! Like it's happening again! Like what are we doing? You know, well, and he's acted like that at SMU. This sure, wasn't no, no yet. question, no question. But he shouldn't be able to impact a game. He shouldn't be like halfway through. They changed the substitution rule. Yeah, they, they, they changed. And I'm not saying like I think the rule probably needs to be changed. You know, Mike Gundy uses that better than anyone in he the country. He's been the best of all time. And then he talked about Texas Tech, you know, and he said Texas Tech did it better than anyone this past week. They used it against us, you know, better than we did. I like it because it's an advantageous to Oklahoma State. Mike yeah. Gunny knows how to use he it. He has figured that out. But when the offense goes out there at 40 seconds or whatever, and the defense decides to trot out a substitution at 22 seconds, and the defender you know, very slow, you know, it takes them 10 seconds to get off the field. Something probably needs to be done. And I was talking to Jordan Woodruff about this the other day. There should just be uh, a, a, not not like a second clock per se in the stadium, but the refs are like, all right, you have, you know, we're going to start this at 40 or whatever. And then it's, if we get to 25, you know, if you want to substitute after 25, you do it at your own discretion. But we're going to hold the ball until a certain time, and then after that, like, it's not – we're not going to hold the ball because an offense substitutes, and here comes a defender from the other side of the field at the 20 all the way down. You know, so it's – I think the rule needs to be changed, but it doesn't need to be changed in the middle of the game. You can't – you can't just – well, he's upset. He – you know, he's he's got a point here. You know, he – I think Oklahoma State is abusing this just a little bit – Okay, that's fine. You have that discussion on Saturday. You you have that an officials discussion in a in a meeting with the Big Twelve on Sat on Sunday or Monday or Tuesday. You can't tell me that you don't they do it at halftime. They can't tell me that Sonny Dykes didn't bring that up in pregame with the with the refs. Yeah, well, you and can't tell well, and he, he brought didn't. it up at halftime because there was the the last one. Oh, I don't know. It was kind of towards the end of the end of the first half. I can't remember exactly when it was. Um, but he was going bananas, like he and it went on. No, it was for, for first quarter. Oh, was, yeah, so was they that, had to call a timeout, and then he did it again right before half, and and he can't like he talked to him then, and he talked to him after, and and that's when the refs are like, well, okay, yeah, you got a point. You, yes, yeah. he had a point. You can, that doesn't mean you can change the rule change in the, the middle of the yep. game, and I'm not. And and here's the thing, that did not give. And it, obviously, it was an advantage to TCU, but that didn't win the game for TCU. Sure. A lot of stuff went wrong for Oklahoma State in the second half. Mm-hmm. 
but still, you still can't just change it. So, but yeah, it's there's a and so let's see, you had the uh, onside kick against Texas Tech. Yep, that'll be discussed at Big Twelve Media Days as a maybe not a rule change, but just discussing what it is. Uh, let's see, what was the other one in the Texas Tech game? Um, well, it was the it was the substitution. Yeah, we talked the, about coming coming onto the field late. Yeah. We came onto the field late on this one. Because they were the, supposed to have time, and they gave us a delay. Yeah, so there will be that. And then the part B to substitution yeah. will be, all right, well, we have to figure something out. We, we can't just yeah. we can't just trot leisure. I think, I think you just put Mike Gundy on the rules committee. Yeah. And then Whatever figure, Mike wants, and then Mike fi- And then figure out, you know, what's yeah. what's the most fair here. So, Well, that's I, what they need to do. They just need to get a bunch of coaches. Well, let's let's slide back to the Texas game. This upcoming recruiting for homecoming is always as big as they can. They can sure. they invite anybody that, that they that they hope probably from the obviously the twenty twenty three class, but also some big names from the twenty twenty four class. Um, do you guys have a a bit of a sense of any big names that are going to be in town, or anybody that that you hope uh, will be in town? I know that uh, I think. Is it you or Robert? Somebody put out an article Robert. about a uh, running back that's going to be in town. Yeah, Reese Cano, and you can see that in the headline. So I'm not really giving anything away. It's a it's a it's a premium story on Pokes Report. Um, they're going to have um, it's a running back out of New Caney, uh, Kedrick Reese Cano. He's a 2023, and he's verbally committed to Michigan State right now. Which I, I think he's also, yeah, he was in Auburn last week. You know, on an official, so like you, you tell can't he, feel great if you're the uh, no. Michigan State coaches. And I'd have to imagine that the weather is a little bit different between New Caney, Texas, and you know Lansing, Michigan. So um, he'll be in town uh, on an official. That's going to be huge. Uh, you'll have, I think, I think Zane Flores is going to be in town. I don't, I don't think it's an official. I think he's just going to be here. Mm-hmm. Um, he'll be here along with. Cameron Hurd. Cameron Hurd out of fur. I think he'll be here. Um, and then uh, the Australian punter that's committed. Excellent. Hudson Cake. Nice. Yeah, it's not how it's pronounced. How do you pronounce it? <laughs> I can't say. <laughs> I feel inappropriate. Oh, okay. Yeah, but that's how it's pronounced. K-A-A-K. Um, it's pronounced how you would think it's pronounced. But what's funny about that is he's fl- Robert told me he's flying out like fr- Are you saying that Cameron Dicker is going to have some competition? Uh-huh. Okay. Yeah, in more ways than one. Dicker the kicker. Yeah. I think he's flying out Friday morning and because of flying from Australia to America, he'll get to relive Friday in America. <laughs> but then when he goes home, he loses because it's 15 skips hours Sunday. Yeah, he he loses a day. That's wild. But it's an official visit. Yeah. Meaning that Oklahoma State foots the bill for an official visit. I oh. can't imagine a flight to and from Australia is cheaper. I don't think they got it on Southwest's uh, twenty-nine dollar uh, days. I knew. No. I wonder they, who is. I wonder who his. Uh, who his host would be here in town? I don't. An it, Australian punter. Yeah. You know, I, an Australian punter that that I believe. I think he was from Pro Kick. I think he did some stuff for Pro I think, Kick. Yeah, which didn't the TCU punter? He was same same boat. He was. Yeah, they worked at the same paper mill together. That's right. Isn't that's that some, cool? That's some wild stories. There's a they lot. They were the only ones out there who weren't hot. Yeah, yeah, they're used to it. Yeah, isn't that crazy? Yeah, so it's it'll be it'll be interesting. I, I'm looking forward, to, and it's not just it's not just football either. Um, 
It's it's, it's a massive recruiting day for for every school or for every sport. Yep. But you, I think uh, David Castillo, five star out of Broken or Broken Arrow, Bartlesville, he'll be up there. That's when uh, is the last time Bartlesville has had a five star anything? David Castillo. There you go. So I, I don't. I, <laughs> before that, I'd, it would have had to have go been into the archives before man. the recruiting days. That's like, crazy. Barry Sanders today would have been a five star. Barry Sanders in the eighties out of Wichita. Is a nobody no, heard is of a nobody, yeah, right? So I would imagine it's probably bad. I'm sure there's been good athletes out of Bartlesville, but uh, I just you just and you definitely don't think a basketball, no. like basketball is going to come out of out of Bartlesville. Yeah. So. Cool. Yeah. yeah, it's a big weekend. Uh, homecoming hooks. Uh, you know, walk a flock of flame. will be doing a concert. I know you're excited. I will not be there. Oh, okay. It I I I don't have a desire to go back and relive my 2010s. So it's cool though. I, I that I think, is neat. But what's interesting is that uh, <laughs> in the bottom of the press release, I don't know if you saw it. Uh, doors open at eight, and uh, it's going to be like a thirty to forty-five minute thing with uh, basketball, wrestling, uh, women's basketball, and all this stuff. They're going to do their dunk contest, I'm sure. And then they're allowing fifteen minutes for families who don't want to watch the concert to leave. Interesting. It was just well, no, like, that's smart, honestly. But no, I just meant like the fifteen minutes. Yeah, no, I, I know. I think but it'll take a little bit longer than fifteen minutes to get families out. Well, just to get because I don't. A lot of people are going to show up. A lot of families are going to show up, and I feel like you gotta you gotta walk you know across everybody, and you gotta make yeah, your way down. So I I just expected like twenty, twenty or thirty. Oh, okay. That, well, I'm not still saying. smart. I mean, I hadn't seen anybody. I really haven't seen anybody do that before. But that's great that they're thinking. Uh, ahead there, and it's not just like a bunch of moms and dads going covering ears. What in the world? <laughs> I'll be curious because I only know of like two of his songs, two of his bigger hits. Yeah. Is he like? Is he going to do like thirty minutes? Like, is it going to be? Guaranteed like an that hour? if you if you stick around for a walk a flock of flame concert, yeah. you're going to know more than the the kids down there will know more than two songs. So, I I mean, maybe be, I'm sure they play it at the club. I'm sure they play it at the club and the bars all the time. But yeah. I'm not there. You are not. I've actually. I can. I can genuinely say that I have never been to a bar on the strip. Really, here in Stillwater. I moved after college. I moved in after college, and I moved with a. Well, she was a fiance at the time, but I'm. I, right. I have no desire to go to a college bar because I didn't it go seem to, like copper penny people. It'll be a copper penny. Never been. Don't even know what it is. No, I know, but it's just it's. Real laid back, but I've uh, Finnegan's on the on Main Street. Okay, I used to. It was a smoke free bar, like that. Virus and threat protection. That's what that was. So if you heard, I think that, that what that is, that's our timer to say up, oh, gotta go, gotta go. Um, next week, uh, I'm gonna we're gonna work on um, we're gonna work on trying to get some audio from Big Twelve Media Days from basketball. I think uh, Porter Mosier is talking right now. It's eleven o'clock in the morning, so I think OU's going now. So Mike Boynton. I haven't looked. They sent out a schedule, but I haven't looked at it. But Oklahoma State's coming up here soon, so when we record next week, we'll have. Uh, I don't know about audio, but we'll certainly have basketball to talk about because we'll be about a week, uh, a little le- little less than two weeks away from the start of the season uh, when we record next week. So we'll have we'll have, definitely have some basketball to talk about. Hopefully, we're talking about it. Oklahoma State win against Texas, and then uh, who's who's after Texas? Who do they got? K State. K State's another big game. They're in, they're in a gauntlet now. Yep. So. Um, you thought the first couple weeks were hard. Big 12 play. They're just getting into it. But that's going to do it for the Pokesport Podcast. We're going to get out of here. We'll talk to you next time here on PokesReport.com.